Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Magic Mike Show, episode 478. I'm Magic, and with me today, special guest right here to my left, Mr. Nick Sievers. Actually, technically, Nick's to my north because he's a Northern California boy. Nick, welcome back to the Magic Mike Show. How you doing, buddy? Thank you. Uh, one week to Saratoga, Hassan? I love to steal, you know... I love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Steel Savage's line. He's not here. He can't defend himself. Well, shit. I wish I'd known that you had a line. I would have just thrown it to you like normal. Yeah, no, I yeah, usually I don't like to do that to guests unless it's... I'll do it to uh, to, to Aaron just because I know he won't do anything. Yeah, Shadi, here's, here's the thing. Nick and I were both ready before airtime, so... Yeah, we were on time today. Yeah, this is what happens when we've got uh, we've got guests on here. So, uh, and as Shadi pointed out, last time I had a special guest named Nick, it was Mr. Feldman on, and we hit, we both hit a Tampa Bay Downs late pick five, uh, very cheap ticket. Did I think it paid a few hundred dollars? It wasn't an overly exciting um, payout, but it was a very strong ROI. And, and Nick, you and I for this race or for this sequence at Belmont Park on Saturday, July eighth, the Belmont Derby, Belmont Oaks, we're both looking at sixty dollars tickets for the pick five. We structured it a little differently. Um, I have a single. You kind of did some of the different things, but we uh, we're both thinking this might be a little bit chalky here. We didn't take too many swings, but. It, this was a fun sequence. I really, except for the last race. That last race can go F itself. <laughs> if they just got rid of the main claiming entirely from New York, I think the entire world would be better off for it. Or put it just in race one. No more last race. I love like Los Alamitos. They put stakes race, last race. You wait for the end. And instead of this where it's like, eh, how many maiden claimers can we throw in here? Uh, well, they, it's overdrawn. They got two also eligibles, two MTOs. So they tried to put in more than is actually allowed. So we got that going for us. But shoddy with the Saratoga. Yeah, Saratoga officially opening day. I was like, I wonder, that's coming up soon, right? A week from today, we're recording this and we're live on July 6th. July 13th is Saratoga. So that means Sunday, July 9th is closing day for Belmont Park. We won't see it again until next spring, Nick, because they're doing more of the backwaduct meet again uh, this fall. So uh, that's pretty sad. I do love Belmont Park. Uh, aqueduct adequate is a thing for a reason. But hey, that's okay. We're going to focus on the positive, which is Belmont Park. We've got two grade ones and a grade three. Huzzah to you, Michael Oson. Um, real quick, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, Nick Sears has been on a few live, sh several live shows, not just a few. You've been on several live streams with us. Uh, you've been on the Magic Mike show before. We were trying to remember which one it was. We couldn't find it, but I also tried figuring out two minutes before we went live, so that's kind of on me. Uh, but you, as well as Dr. Tang, who's in the chat, and uh, Nick Feldman, who, as I mentioned, was with me and we hit that Tampa Bay Downs pick five on the show. The three of you started a show for us called Dudes After Dark, and you guys are doing evening handicapping for races, for tracks when they have availability. I know we did it last week. Canterbury was on Wednesday this week because of the holidays. They weren't, but uh, you're doing Canterbury right now. And then Del Mar on Fridays, they run late. And especially, I mean, we're all, all three of you guys are California boys as well, so uh, it's easy for you to do it. But yeah, lots of evening handicapping stuff. So if you like what Nick Sievers right here has got going on, uh, he's going to be the host of Dudes After Dark. So... Uh, I'm excited about that. Two Nicks and a Doctor. We had a few different fun names for that. Um, there's some names we probably shouldn't say on here, Nick. <laughs> I was going to say, Dr. Tang said, don't mention a couple of these. His insurance may get mad at him. So probably not. <laughs> yeah. And the best thing is that you don't have to listen to my opinions. You actually get to listen to Dr. Tang and Nick Feldman's opinion. And I'm just there to make sure they fill the air. So I'll just talk and ramble for a while. So they actually have good opinions. I'm just here because, you know, I look good or something like that. Two 
two Knicks, one Doc was my pick. Uh, that was the one I wanted until I realized, Dudes After Dark, we've had for, for years, we've had that kind of sitting in the canister waiting until we could use it. So I was glad that I could give it to you guys for that show. But we, like I said, we've got the late pick five at Belmont Park on Saturday, July 8th to talk about it. Lots of fun, lots of big name horses in here. We'll see what happens. Riders up! First leg of the Belmont late pick five on Saturday, July 8th. Race eight is the grade one Belmont Oaks for nine three-year-old fillies routing a mile and a quarter on the inner turf. Nick, not only do we have uh, the same two horses we're using in this race, we have the same top pick. So tell me about the number five prerequisite at five to one for Chad Brown. This is the one that makes sense to me to just straight wire the field. Coming out of two very fast paced races where it wired the field. Irad stays, or Irad comes aboard, which was the one thing that made me a little bit nervous, but I prefer Pratt, as you do, to Irad. So <laughs> it was just one of those, like, why didn't Pratt stay there? So I was considering another one, but didn't end up using it the seven, uh, Asprey, where uh, Flavian actually lands. But prerequisite just makes a lot of sense. Like, been running this distance, or running now to this distance, going a mile and eighth now to a mile and a quarter, but didn't seem to be getting tired. Speed figures and the time form, pace all said that it can get longer going fast last time like nothing here that makes me not think it could do it so i i'm a fan yeah same like i said we had the same top pick here and if you look at this horse so i actually looked into it too i was like pratt was a border uh her last two starts and now is off and okay pratt's gonna ride the seven to spray the other chad brown who's undefeated uh coming off that turf stakes win at pimlico on preakness day um neither of us used her and we'll talk about her in a second and i think it's kind of interesting that neither of us used the other chad in this spot but as far as prerequisite goes you know she debuted at gulfstream park behind a gate to wire winner named spansive that's a rapoli pletcher horse that's like Chad Klarevich, but with like a little bit extra juice for Irat, right? Uh, so uh, Spansive, not only did Spansive win that race, Spansive won next out. Second place in that race that prerequisite debuted was Glorious Princess. She won two straight after that race. So a very good race to finish fourth, beat nine and a quarter for your debut. Like you said, came back, broke the maiden next time out. That was over this inner turf course. And then we came back again, wired the inner turf course in the wonder again. But I was looking in those races. I was like, well, okay, so Pratt's riding those two spots. Where the hell is Irad? Well, Irad was Spence's rider in uh, two of those starts, like I said, and then rode a Klarovich in the maiden win, uh, a Klarovich horse in the maiden win um, for Chad Brown. So that's why Irad was an honor. So Irad's been in every race that prerequisites entered. He just hasn't, for whatever reason, for politics and all that stuff, hasn't been aboard. But it's Irad Ortiz Jr. He's the best jockey uh, in America. So uh, as much as I would love. <sighs> to say the press the best right now it's still irad but yeah we'll, we'll go with uh, her on top we're also both going to use the favorite on the morning line and, and two to one's probably a pipe dream for her the number one mission of joy uh for grand motion tyler gaffleone debuted her on the synthetic motion not known for having him ready first out clearly she was not ready first time out switched to the turf at tampa for the winner get the maiden broken very impressively stayed at tampa for two more races two more impressive wins including the grade three florida oaks Went up to the grade two Edgewood on Derby weekend, and I, I thought it was a very strong effort. She just, you know, this was the first time she'd faced horses of that kind of class and caliber. I think you could say you had a, a lot of the Florida, the Gulfstream Park horses, you had New York, you had all sorts of horses kind of coming together that she hadn't faced um, that weren't like at Tampa Bay Downs. So, 
You've got uh, an excuse there. And she also got a very Rosario ride. He drove her straight up the ass of a bunch of horses, clipped heels, still ran on, recovered, got third, beaten a length. Switches to Tyler Gaffleone. Okay, she's three to five favorite. It's the grade three regret at Churchill Down. She beat the hell out of him. Papilio is a great horse. Papilio's in here. Michael Oson loves her. Great horse. I think pace-wise is why we're both leaving her off our tickets. It sets up against her. Mrs. Astro horse that the racing dudes have loved was in the regret. So she's beating, she's facing and beating good horses. And I think that that experience in the Edgewood, Nick, uh, was a very strong one for her here. Um, the price is a little nerve wracking, but I think this is a horse you've got to have on your tickets. Yeah, I mean, that was basically what it came down to is that with the pace setting up the way that I think it is, which is as uh, Doc said somewhere in the chat over there was, oh, it was actually shoddy where you, the other chat with the pace you're afraid it's going to wire it, which you've seen happen numerous times here uh, at Belmont last year. I remember specifically an Italian winning it like nine to one or something like that. So with, this, <laughs> yep. with it, with a slow pace like that, you kind of need to be close. I thought so. Mr. Joy, I thought had the best trip set up here. Asprey was the other one that kind of sort of fit, but I think Mission of Joy has a better kick, probably wants more distance and probably going to get the first run there. So while I'd prefer to have Pratt over Gaffleo and I don't care enough about Riders to make a big enough deal, and I think if Bishop Joy is better, she she has a uh, really telling you something here. A two to one has a legitimate shot of winning. Yeah, uh, uh, Chris Mello in the chat bringing up Grand Motion's favorite trainer by a poll. Uh, I love Grand Motion too, and he, he's always one of those guys that does things the right way, takes care of the horses, and still is out there competing with some of the ones who maybe necessarily aren't. Uh, but yeah, I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, Kevin saying that dudes who bet, by the way, if you want to check out Iowa Derby, Iowa Festival of Racing, check out dudes who bet sports. Uh, Aaron and Papa do cover that. And that's funny, Kevin. No. Um, okay, so let's talk about spray. So there's a trend that you're going to notice with this card specifically, Nick, for me, and I don't know for you, I don't remember your ticket specifically, but horses that raced on Derby weekend and lost, I am giving more credence to than horses that ran on Preakness weekend and one and a big reason for that is you have horses that are all aiming for every race on the derby weekend and if they're either not ready or the competition's too tough whatever the case is they wait and they get unless you're running in the actual one well, this year the actual preakness was a lot softer too two weeks afterwards nobody's running their horses back so you can usually catch a flyer for me that's why a big reason why i left a spray off she broke her maiden in an off turf race at tampa very impressively then won on the turf very impressively Went to Pimlico for the James Murphy stakes. I do not like that she skipped out on anything at Churchill Downs that she could have been in. They go to an ungraded $100,000 hilltop stakes at Pimlico. And she won. She didn't win huge. And if you look at who she was facing, nothing's exciting about that. You look at the breeding, quality road. Galileo Mara on the bottom. That's good. Quality road on top makes me wonder if a mile and a quarter might be a little too far for her. She's only ever gone a mile, slightly farther than a mile. So that's why I left the other Chad with <laughs> Flavin Pratt aboard off, and this is going to bite me in the ass. What did you not like about the seven? It was a, more of a ticket construction when it all came down to it, where uh, it probably would make more sense to use it over Mission Joy, but I think Mission Joy wins. And so it's I don't think she has a legitimate chance of beating her enough. If she were 10 to 1, 12 to 1, eh, then I may have a, a bigger idea. You're never going to get... 10, 12 to 1 on a Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt. So it makes no sense to, you know, dream of that price. So it was more <laughs> of a, my ticket wasn't able to be constructed in a way that that would work. So it ended up with a, uh, got to keep somebody out, can only use so many. So, you know, instead of using all of the last race, I had to cut down somewhere. 
Yeah, well, we have to eventually talk about that race, but I really don't want to. <laughs> All right, let's move on, uh, Nick. The second leg of the late pick five. I almost said Mike. I'm sorry. If I call you Mike throughout, it's just it's a muscle memory thing. Second leg of the Belmont late pick five on Saturday, July 8th, race nine. We've got 12 males, three and up, plus two also eligible sprinting seven furlongs on the outer turf. These are N1X allowance runners. Lots of horses in here look like they're kind of knocking off the last bits of rust. For Saratoga starts a week from today, so we're trying to get in that last little bit of uh, prep before the big money and big time uh, attention comes to Saratoga. Where did you go on top? I ended up on Inflation Nation. Not anything surprising or wild here. It was just one of those, they all sort of fit. They all sort of make sense. And Inflation Nation seems to be two steps better than the rest of them. Not, you know, not going to win by a mile, not going to win by, you know, one by a head last time, one by one and a half the time before there. So not some huge overlay here. I think 7-2 is relatively close, and I'm hoping to get a little bit better price than that. I think you do because you get Clement and Davis riding. But he's the most logical of, of the horses that fit here. I also really liked going back to seven furlongs after running on a mile two back. One on, or ran second on a, the stakes uh, back on May 20th over yielding turf. I think maybe with a firm turf may move him up just slightly and got bet enough in that race. I think, you know, he fits here and Facing older is my one concern because he hasn't faced older yet, but he's ran well enough that it probably is a, a good place for him to sit here. Yeah, I uh, I like all the points that you made there. Um, for this, my topic is well, so I'll just I'll spoil it now. Nick and I have the same top pick in all five races. <laughs> You've been watching our show a little too long, buddy. No, um, you know, two back the horse tracked the pace, but he just couldn't quite hold off Baloney for Chad Brown. Baloney's in the Grade Three Manila on Friday, and you can catch the preview for that racingdudes.com and youtube.com slash racing dudes uh aaron took the preview on that you can see how baloney uh what he thought of baloney there but really like because we'll have this chance we have a day still nick we can see if baloney goes out there and just runs like baloney maybe we go eh, maybe i don't know if we want to really love this horse so much at seven to two but all signs point to this horse third start off the layoff third start at age three should class drop should take a step forward here the concern that i would have with him um is just the fact that he's a three-year-old facing win uh, older horses for the first time, but we'll see. You're at that point now, and once you get past the Belmont Stakes, you kind of just got to stop. This is the time. You've you've been around long enough. You need to go up, step up, and face the older horses. So we agree uh, <laughs> agree on that one there. Uh, second pick for me, number seven. So Sua Summer at five to one. This is a really consistent turf sprinter. Uh, last three turf sprints finished second or third. Both seconds uh, were by uh, three quarters of a length, including last out when going six furlongs over the inner turf here. Not worried about the distance. The horse missed by a head, finishing second at Kentucky Downs last year, going six and a half. Six and a half furlongs at Kentucky Downs is like seven and a half at Belmont Park. So not worried there. I'm also playing this for value because a five to one actually holds on. Look at those last odds. Five to two, five to two, three to two, three to five. Now we're five to one, but yeah, here's the thing. Doc brings it up, and if you've watched or listened to uh, the Magic Mike show, you know where we're going. If Rosario wasn't on so Swiss Summer, might have been my top pick, but like Michael Olson says, Rosario's what scares me here. Did you end up using the seven, Nick? I did not. I actually ended up on the, fir or the first back at three angle. I really like when horses come back at three. I'd prefer to have a race into them, but stepping into an allowance race, I used the eight appraise. Um, in that last race, the summer stakes at Woodbine, a couple of those horses came back to run second the next time and have a couple winners also. It's a weird spot for Chad Brown to decide to send this one, is what I was figuring. So for Chad Brown knows something here, figures this, this is a good spot to send him. Cutting back slightly from that mile last time, now going seven furlongs. 
make a step forward with the speed figures and he probably fits right in here. Um, I don't know about that 92. I, I kind of figured Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, we're going to get a little bit over bet. So I used him. It wasn't this like, oh, I have to use him, but it's the one that if he beats me with the 11, I'm, I'm going to feel bad. So I'm on 11 inflationation, eight appraise. Uh, I left off appraise because I didn't like that the horse was, had been gone for so long. And then was coming back, you know, for, what, 219 days or something like that? 294 days, sorry, even longer. Um, and now it's first start at three and you're facing older horses. It, the horse taking the class drop was in the, the grade one summer stakes. Mysterious Knight was an Appleby horse that uh, if he'd gone to the Breeders' Cup, I think could have uh, possibly beaten Silver Knot, who we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but good efforts there. Just it's been so long since we've seen this horse. It's, a, it's the right spot, but this feels almost to me like, Nick, like we're get the start in now and then we're going to move you up to the three-year-old stakes if you do well i just there's a lot there's a lot of things going on here i'm going to leave this horse off but it could end up being uh my t it could end up being my downfall that's two straight chad brown flavian pratt horses that i'm fading uh this could be a very rough day for me on saturday uh i went three deep here i ended up using the number six clubhouse as well at 10 to 1 here this horse to me is, is interesting because I, I just have this weird sneaky feeling first of all um Appraise is a Chad Brown Clarevich stables horse. 99% of the time, you're going to see Irad Ortiz Jr. riding. Irad's not riding. He's on the sixth clubhouse. And if you look at the, the clubhouse's form, you kind of go, why? What, what about this horse compared to uh, that one makes you go, yeah, this is the one I want to ride. Well, Irad Ortiz Jr. board for the, first of all, it's Todd Pletcher trainee. Pletcher puts the horse on turf for the first three starts. Interestingly enough, Pratt rode the first two of those. Irad gets aboard when they go a mile on the 16th, and then that's the best effort that the horse has on turf and really on the page, I think. Uh, you know, tries to go gate to wire, doesn't end up holding on, but activist investing beats the horse. That's a really good Chad Brown, uh, Clarevich stable horse that beat him. So um, that's not a problem there. And then they were like, okay, well, let's try, let's get a little derby fever. Let's see what we can do with the dirt. All right. The things were okay, you know, broke the maiden going seven furlongs, same distance as this race, though it was on dirt, but that's a good effort there. A, a good second, I think, in the uh, the gold, or sorry, the Jimmy Wingfield stakes to Drew's gold, who ended up being a, a very, he's a very strong dirt sprinter, right? Borai, one of the top five or six dirt sprinters in the country right now. And then he goes to the grade three Gotham, but I'm going to scratch that off, just like I scratch off the, the effort at Aqueduct in December. He hates the off track. If you scratch those two off, there are a lot of things to like about this horse in the spot. Oh, by the way, look at where he's been working, Saratoga. Not just at Saratoga, on the Saratoga turf. Pletcher put two turf works into this horse, neither of which are fast. 51 and 3, 51 flat. Slow turf works. And he puts this horse in here, and Irad says, I'm going to hop aboard. I, man, I think that there is, I just, like I'm telling you, I've just got a feeling about this horse. I could be completely wrong. I don't think I am. I think this is a pretty good horse to use here, the six. Yeah, I like the six a lot, and I'm with you on that exact thing is, okay, they took their shot at the Gotham, but if you can make it the Derby, you make the Derby. But if you don't, you go back to what it likes to do, which is running on the turf. So they did feel like they got a little bit of Derby fever with that one. I was more afraid of that first Saratoga effort where it lost to a praise and Inflation Nation, and then came back and lost to Inflation Nation again. So it's just one of those like, uh, yeah, it may take the step forward, but already lost twice to these two on the turf. So, you know, I'll let it beat me. So 10 to 1, you're probably the right move. Uh, real quick before we move on, um, 
there's horses a couple people in here talking about i know doc ranges on my clothes and davy they like dark vector the rail horse and i i kept trying to figure out a way to put this horse on if there's a scratch this will actually before the chad brown horse um i think this would be the one that makes my ticket some things to like almost broke the maiden on the turf at Gulfstream earlier this year got second to carl spackler the only turf try and carl spackler completely freaked that day although carl spackler as soon as he got to stakes company did not have a good day at churchill downs but uh still a really you know impressive effort there it took him a while to get the main where they tried the synthetic, but it was an off turf uh, race and that didn't quite go his way, though it did just miss by a length. He broke his maiden in an off turf race in the dirt and then they tried the grade one Woody Stevens and that didn't work. There's this fits like a, he fits in this spot. I just think there are enough horses that are a little bit better than him. But if I was playing tournaments, I'd be down to either the six or the one to play here. Well, and what I've heard so much so far is everybody's on Dark Vector, right? You just look at the chat, everybody's on it. I've heard so no eight to talk one about it. Yeah, I don't think you get anywhere near eight to one, and I think that's more of the problem. Is like he has a legitimate chance of winning, and probably a better chance than you know, probably even Clubhouse. But I think you're going to get that nine to two, four to one type price, which is good. But I don't think you're going to get some sneaky price here. And you know, if he beats us, I think we'll both be okay with letting a horse that hasn't actually won on the turf beat us in this spot. Yeah, the only like I said, the only win came in an off turf race against four other horses, and he was a one to five, and it was, it was a ten length win. The horse has got talent. I'm just, I think this is a horse we'll see win on the turf when we get to Saratoga. Could have a good effort here, but just maybe just not quite ready for it. Uh, let's move on, Nick. Third leg of the Le Belmont Park late pick five on Saturday, July eighth, race ten, the Grade One Belmont Derby, eleven three year olds routing a mile and a quarter on the inner turf, and boy, not only do we have the same top pick. We're both trying to beat, we're leaving off, the 7-2 morning line favorite, the Foxes. And not just because the name's dumb. Don't have a, a name that starts with the. It, it's weird. But yes, we're, we're, chucking, uh, we're chucking the Foxes here. Where are you going on top? I'm on Kalik, uh, who just beat Farbridge and Silvernaut last out, gate-to-wire fashion, and keeps Chad Brown and I at Ortiz. And, you know, just one of those, it's the, the most logical way that this horse, this goes, is... Somebody gets brave up front and they wire it. A mile and a quarter might be a little bit long, but it ran the same speed figures last time, the uh, pace figures, all the way through. So it was one of those, like, it got faster at the in the allowance race back on May 7th at Belmont where it went from 108 to 111 with time form. Going a mile and 16th to a mile and a quarter getting faster. I'm just a little interested in this one going, you know, gate to wire and five to one was what really stuck me with, like, nope, that's the one for me. Yeah, listen, I, I, I thought he could win the Penine Ridge, gate to wire, and he did. And then here's the thing, he's also drawn outside a faster horse that you use, and I ended up leaving off at the last second. But the number seven, Wizard of Westwood, you think would probably go to the lead. All of his races in California were faster than Calic's. But look, but three back, Calic was off the pace. Came running right by, got the win. And Chad Brown has said that they, for this race, have been training him to sit off of a horse early and try and get by. So Chad understands that if this horse is really going to succeed, it's probably not gate to wire because those wins were they're a little slow. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I use Calic here. Like I said, uh, Far Bridge was my second pick. Major jockey upgrade to Jose Ortiz, who was aboard for his big allowance win at Gulfstream Park three races back. Super solid efforts in the Grade 2 American to just miss. The Grade 2 Penine Ridge to just miss. He got Rosario. We're losing Rosario. We're gaining Jose Ortiz, who runs really well for uh, for the Todd Pletcher barn here. I don't know if four to one is what we get on him. Um, I know a lot of people love him, but there's no reason not to use this. Or he beat Carl Spackler, who I said had had that huge romping win next out. Um, 
he's he's very good and he's going to win one of these greatest stakes races in new york i I think i said that uh earlier this year even he's you know if it's not this the saratoga derby the jockey uh derby or whatever it's called at the end of the year so um there he's going to win one of these three races and i want to make sure that i can get on board the far bridge train yeah i was in that exact spot with you where i was like this one probably is going to sit the good trip if it gets fast, which I think it will, with your mention of Westwood, Wizard of Westwood and Kalik maybe both going, that I wanted a closer. I think that six uh, Silverknot may be a better closer, but Farbridge beat Silverknot last time and had to get over with Rosario last time. Farbridge now loses Rosario and gets Jose Ortiz in a closing spot. I kind of like the way that Farbridge is going to sit here. So I think he has a legitimate chance of closing in there. And then I went also with the six uh, Silverknot who I think is one of the better closers, if not the best closer, uh, should be able to fit here well. I know you use the six as well. What did you like about the six? See, I did that. Look at me. I'm almost like a professional over here. You're getting mad. Yes, listen, coasting's not as easy as uh, as it looks sometimes. Yeah, silver not third pick for me. Top pick in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. That hurt. Penine Ridge. Ooh. The top pick in that race, too. I used him in Calic. Calic got the win, so that was fine. But uh, no, Silver not still didn't get to. It actually got passed by Farbridge kind of late. But now we're getting him at a price because I think people are going, well, Apple, Appleby hasn't looked his normal, almost near unbeatable self this year in America. And I think they're feeding into the price. I'm going to keep playing this horse. I will. Ref- I refuse to ever let this horse off a ticket, in these, at least in these three-year-old turf races here. Um, and now I'm going to get him at a price at six to one. Maybe it doesn't hold necessarily, but I think there are enough. There's enough talented horses in here. Maybe we do get six to one on him. So yeah, it's it's Appleby. He he kept this horse in America after the Pennine Ridge for a reason. Like all the other horses after that weekend, they all went back home or after this a couple of weeks. Appleby kept this horse here, and he was like, I don't know who else we're sending, but Silver not staying. That to me spoke volumes. So I think the Silver not is someone you should use on your tickets. And again, six to one, looking pretty good. Next, last on for me, because I went four deep. Um, I'm gonna use the four Web Slinger. I was trying to beat Web Slinger. God, he's just so consistently good. It's so hard for me to look at it, why I would really like logically want to leave Web Slinger off of here. Uh, the fact that he won the American from post 14, you know, he, or post 12, I should say. I mean, he was so so far out there and then came flying and he went right past Far Bridge and he went right past Major Dude. Those some damn good turf horses, Nick. He just made them look like they were standing still in those last little strides there to nail him. And then last time out in the uh, in the Audubon Stakes, um, you know, just easily dominates. He's a three to five favorite. He's supposed to, but as soon as he got on the lead, it was like you just knew it was over. It's just Castellon kind of had to keep making sure he was uh, keeping his mind to the test. So I used him. That nine to two price may be a, a pipe dream just because the horse was three to five last out and has a two race win streak, including uh, against several of these horses in the past. So um, I did use the four web slinger as well. Yeah, I left him off mainly because I think the distance is going to start catching up to him here. Um, he's been closing good, but winning by a nose in the American uh, couldn't quite get, you know, beat nothing or maybe something in the uh, one back to Churchill, the mm-hmm. Autobahn. I tried to pronounce Autobahn without pronouncing it. <laughs> that's, um, that's okay. And it's one of those, like, uh, maybe going a mile and a quarter, maybe a bit much here. So I think uh, probably gets a little over bet because he's coming off those two wins. With the Foxes in here, I think they're, those two are going to take all of the money. So at that point, it's like, well, let's go find somewhere else. And Webslinger going longer. I think uh, Michael said in the chat, I'm going to let Webslinger beat me here. So I'll, I'll toss him. I mean, looking at Webster, the other things I like, you know, he almost beat Dude in Colorado, Gulfstream Park. Uh, he had the Transylvania race uh, at Caneland three back. He was a little too far back earlier. You notice since then, Castellanos kept him a little bit more engaged earlier. I think that 
made a difference here. Uh, let's talk about why neither of us are using the Foxes. Uh, for me, it's a horse. I watched a lot of his um, his replays because it's exciting, especially when it's a favorite that comes over from Europe here, a multiple group two winner over there. I just there wasn't anything that really made me just go, yeah, like the the connections uh, the trainer Andrew Balding is saying you know a big reason why the the Epsom Derby last time out why it wasn't a good race for him it wasn't because he stumbled out he said I don't think that was the issue it's just too far for him they think mile and a quarter is perfect for him he has one of mile and five sixteenths which is going to be an extra sixteenth of a mile longer than what this race is going to be uh, there also is a DRF article that came out today talking about maybe why we were going to try and pass on the foxes Nick do you want to talk about it Well I live in Sacramento where last weekend it was hundred nine. Uh, it's going to be 89 in Belmont, and they were complaining today about how hot it was. I go outside and complain about how hot it is. I'm not an athlete running a mile and a quarter. They're going to have some trouble if they're running that that fast. They once did mile and a quarter, but the heat is a problem. And if the heat's a problem, you're not going to be doing okay at Belmont on Saturday. Yeah, if he ends up, uh, the post parade will be a fun one to watch because if he ends up washing out pretty good, it's going to be gonna be a lot of nervous betters uh, sweating profusely as well uh, on that one. All right, let's talk about Wizard of Westwood real quick, because uh, I think you did use this horse. Uh, I thought about initially using him because I thought, man, he could go gate to wire here. And like I said, he is faster than Calic earlier. Um, I'm just, I, I'm worried if this is just a little bit too much for him. McCarthy has shipped east in one before. I just could quite pull the trigger on him. But Velasquez being aboard at 15 to 1, it's it's enticing, Nick. You, you just named the reasons why I want to do it was I don't like West <laughs> Coast going East Coast, but Johnny V going East, he's going there for charge it in the Suburban. So he's now going to just ride the rest of the day out. And, you know, McCarthy, he rides for McCarthy once in a while. I mean, 52 in the last year. They went at a good rate you know, at Santa Anita. I get it. But Gates Wire makes a lot of sense. Johnny V has, you know, proven that uh, numerous times that he's one of the better riders out there. So. That one has a legit chance to go and get to wire. Calic, like you say, may sit right off. And if they let Wizard of Westwood just kind of go, he may just keep going. So he was the other one that I liked. I had uh, two others I ended up on here, one of them being the two who I think may have Boppy O, may sit right behind. And if it does get faster than I, you know, I just said that maybe Calic does actually go. And then you get some pace. The number two, Bapio, may get first run at the group here. He's been continuously getting better all year. One last time at Monmouth, you know, hasn't beat a whole lot, hasn't ran in some big races, but this is the shot you want to take it, you know, and at 12 to 1, sitting what could be a perfect trip. I really liked uh, Bapio. He's an interesting one. Uh, respect the connections for taking a shot in this spot. I mean, figure out what you've got against the top level competition here, but he's never gone beyond a mile 16th. Um, he really hasn't, uh, in his graded stakes efforts on turf, I know he won at Saratoga last year, but that was a big freak effort in Battle of Normandy. I still say he should have won that race. But for me with this one, it's, I, I didn't pass on or I didn't use him, but Luis Saya is hopping aboard for the first time. That was, that's a little interesting too. Cause he doesn't ride for Cassie that often, Nick. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's just enough there that if I'm going to go against Web Slinger, I'm going to go against the Foxes. I don't want to then miss because I left Bapio off, right? It's one of those, <laughs> like, if I'm going against the two shortest prices on the board, I might as well make sure I get through the lake. Because otherwise, why not just play the, the logical ones here and get through? So I think he fits well in that spot. Saez should give him a good ride. If he's good enough, he, he'll be there, I think. Well, one horse that's going to really have to work hard to prove he's good enough is the last one that you used. And I'm realizing now, three turf races we've talked about, three Chad Brown Flavin Pratt horses, 
Zero of them on my tickets. Tell me about the number 10 redistricting at 8 to 1. Well, I've watched this show long enough that when I say Flavian Pratt, I have to go swing, right? Like, what am I doing here? Like, if I'm on this show, I'm not talking about Flavian Pratt. I'm doing something wrong. So I was really actually interested mainly in that Irad jumps off to take Calic, which he'd been on Calic before. Flavian then hops on. And it's like, well, that's good, right? So didn't ran a 106 time form number. I was pretty excited about that. I think that second as a three-year-old. Clarevich Stables, Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt. Like, eh, I'll take eight to one. When I was looking at this, I looked without the uh, morning lines. I was like, yeah, I'll probably get a four to one or something like that. But eight to one, I'll take all day long. And I think he has every right to step forward here. And at least, you know, he'll be right there. The the pace being fast enough will probably give him a chance of closing was the actual reason I wrote down. But I was too busy looking at my iPad instead. So I'll get back <laughs> It, boy, you look at this and you're like, all right, Chad's got Calic in here and he knows what Calic can do. He's got a one start horse that broke its maiden. Very impressively. He's got a one start horse in here. They're going a mile and a quarter. <laughs> like he's never gone two turns before. He's never faced winners before. No, we're going to throw him in this spot. I'm going to let him beat me, but we'll see yeah. what happens with it. I, uh, all right, Shoddy, hold on. Shoddy's getting all upset. <laughs> one second. Swing, swing, tentpole. Everybody happy? All right. Usually Mike jumps in like I'm halfway through a sentence and Mike will jump in with that thing. So it was nice to be able to control it. So, yeah. yeah let's th there we I was looking what? for it, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it over here. There was too many different buttons to push, but I was looking for it, everybody. I swear <laughs> I knew where it was. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on. The uh, penultimate leg of the Belmont Park late pick five on Saturday, July 8th. Race 11, the grade three victory ride, much smaller field. Eight three-year-old fillies sprinting six and a half furlongs on the dirt. We both like the number eight red carpet ready on top. So much so that I singled her in here, Nick. But I'll turn it over to you real quick to talk about what you like about her first. I think she sits right off of a very fast pace. You get the two dazzling blue and the five maple leaf mel going head to head and at six and a half furlongs, just long enough that they both kind of fall apart. Red carpet ready can sit right behind and run them down. That race against Money's Gold, which I understand Money's Gold didn't come back as this huge superstar like we all kind of thought she was, but that race on uh, at the eight bells was really, really impressive. So I, I'm going to let her, you know, I have to use her. I think she's the horse to beat. And if we get three to one, they'll, you know, I'll be much more interested in a win bet than even playing this big five at that point. <laughs> the, uh, you talk about the eight bells. So that was, this is what I was talking about. That's a, a, she won, but that was Derby weekend. Um, and I singled her. Maple Leaf Mel is coming out of a race which was on Preakness weekend. So another thing to like about that. We'll talk about uh, uh, Maple Leaf Mel in a minute. Uh, as far as Red Carpet Ready, undefeated in four starts, going seven furlongs or shorter. Undefeated in four starts, going seven furlongs. We're going six and a half here. You talked about how the, that was a seven furlong race there. And maybe she was just, Money's Gold was digging in. And Money's Gold gets a better trip. Maybe she beats her there. Uh, but Red Carpet Ready was just so good that day. Saya is aboard. Saya seems to just fit her so well. If you remember how she ran in the forward gal uh, to, back in February at Gulfstream Park. Super impressive there too. So I love Red Carpet Ready. I thought that she rebounded very nicely from her career defeat, which was going a one-turn mile in the Devona Dale, which, by the way, if that race was six and a half furlongs, she wins. If it's seven furlongs, she's right there at the wire. So uh, not too worried about it. And that, was, that pace went freaking fast. And then she comes back in the eight bells and shows, I don't need to sit on the lead. We're going to let the five go. We're going to let the two go, like you said. So love that one. Uh, you did end up using two others, including the two Dazzling Blue, which is 
you know, undefeated Brad Coxhorse with Flavian Pratt. God damn it. I'm, did I use Pratt in the last? I'm going to look that up while you talk about <laughs> Dazzling Blue. Well, I was going to say the one thing that I liked about Dazzling Blue was that if this pace doesn't get as fast as I was thinking, because, you know, we all look at how fast the pace is going to be. If Maple Leaf Mel doesn't go, no reason why Dazzling Blue can't wire this field. Ran a really good allowance race. And again, not against a whole lot, uh, what, May 19th at Churchill, but ran really good pace figures. One by eight and three quarters. I really liked the way that she finished that race. Not fast, but just kept running and really jumped up on a, her time form speed figure. So Judmont to Cox with, you know, our friend Flavian Pratt. I'm, I'm just looking for him to win five straight and I'll be good. Aaron just texted me asking if I'm feeling okay. Because this four races, by the way, Pratt, not in the last race. He doesn't have a mount in the last race. <laughs> so, you know. Pratt's in four of these five races, three of them on turf, two of them are grade ones. None of them are on my ticket. And Bert, yeah, we're going to divorce court, apparently. This is just, we're, listen, we're just having a separated week. That's what this is right now. <laughs> just waiting for Saratoga. You're getting ready for Saratoga. You guys need a little time to spark. Gonna be really close this summer. <laughs> sure, that's what we'll that's what we'll say this is. Uh, you did go three deep here, and you also used the six downtown mischief in New York bread. Uh, tell me about why you like the six. Um it made sense in the same way that Maple Leaf Mel makes sense, but at four times the price, five times the price. Coming off of the pace out of these New York Stakes um, races, I think she may be able to sit inside of Red Carpet Ready and get a good run at her at this group. If the pace does fall apart, I want the ones that are going to make the first run, which I think is Mischief, Downtown Mischief and Red Carpet Ready. And if mm -hmm. the pace doesn't fall apart, I think Dazzling Blue wiring the field makes some sense so it's more of a play against maple leaf mel because i'm with you that you know that race at pimlico just doesn't impress me very much and then getting eight to five it's it's a tough pill to swallow for me <sighs> guys get off me in this pratt shit Jeez. all right uh let's talk about maple leaf mel first of all i if if horse racing was won by feel good stories this would be the winner uh if you don't know the story about maple leaf mel she is named for her now trainer Melanie Giddings, who's a former assistant to Jeremiah Englehart, who was the trainer for this horse until Melanie just went out on her own. Uh, the horse is owned by Bill Parcells, so if you're a Bill Parcells fan, you've got to like this horse as well. Uh, Melanie Giddings, if you couldn't tell by the name, she is Canadian. She's from Coburg, Ontario, not that far from Toronto. Uh, but a couple of years ago, she was battling stage four cervical cancer, almost died, and, and then still managed to come back from that, uh, came out better for it, and now she's off training on her own. So really cool story. But Horse racing is won by really cool stories, unfortunately. Unless you're Cody's wish. Like that's like say, all of the feel good, good, all of the goodwill is being pushed into Cody's wish, and there's nothing left for anybody else. I'm sorry. Not not this year. Maybe next year when Cody's wish uh, has after he's won the Whitney and the Classic and the Pegasus, and then he retires. Then we can talk about that. But for Maple Leaf Mel, she's a New York bred in her first three races, all very impressive wins, multi-length wins, all against New York breads. She faces uh she skips out on the Beaumont. She skips out on the uh, the eight bells. She goes to the Miss Preakness Stakes two weeks after the eight bells and beats them. Yeah, all right. She didn't face anybody. She's never, she's uh, three or four races are, are six furlongs. Six and a half might be pushing a little bit here for her. The, the one time that she did win, she was three to five and beat four horses. So just can't use her. Uh, again, if she wins, feel good story continues for their trainer for Melanie Giddings. I would, that part would be great. But especially at nine to five, they should be way over bet. And I just don't think she's that good, Nick. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it's one of those that it just is hard to play her given the 
the, like you say, coming out of those New York bread, like, yeah, she's good. And maybe she just wires his field and she is just too good. But yeah, no, I'll take my chance against her, especially at that price. Now, coming back at Saratoga later on, she may feel find a little bit softer spots and she may actually be able to win some of those New York uh, bread races. So I like that. So I'll, I'll toss her here and try to win with her later on. Tip of the cap to Chris Mallow and Shoddy kind of tag team in this one. Chris, with the question, what if you bred Maple Leaf Mel to blame? You get to blame Canada. That's incredible. That's awesome. I need it. That needs to happen. Uh, a couple. I'll talk about real quick a couple of horses that I liked in here before we get on because I really don't want to talk about this last race. Uh, I actually at one point had went too deep in here. I used the number three Vava. I really like Vava, and I really like her trainer, Shri DeVoe, and I think maybe that's, it's starting to overpower a little bit my, sometimes when I look at the Shri DeVoe horses, I'm like, her trainer's really great. Vava in four starts at either six and a half furlongs or seven furlongs, two wins in two seconds, both seconds by a half length. Okay, we lose Luis Saez to red carpet ready, you understand why? Now we're facing some real tough stakes horses, but I think that she's going to sit a great trip. I'm like you, I think the five and two burnout. Um, I think that the three is going to be within range. I just think she's going to be a great horse to hit the board. I don't know that she wins this spot here. Uh, red carpet, right? I think it's going to be a little too tough. I liked the one interpolate for yep. Chad Brown. I read hopping back aboard. You know, I read was aboard for the maiden wind going six furlongs at Backwood again last time out in the grade two Beaumont. Came within a neck of catching gate to wire winner Key of Life for Brad Cox. It was two to five that day. Like Key of Life was supposed to be a monster and interpolate almost beat her. Um, I think if there was a like if there was a third like absolute pace horse, if it, you know if we thought red carpet ready was a need the lead type before the eight bells, you know that kind of red carpet ready, then I'm only looking at three and one in here. I think it's going to be a horse from off the pace, possibly the six as well. I like that one as well. So, yeah, so and I was also looking at inter, interpolate, except lost a key of life at the Beaumont, and then Beaumont uh, key of life came back and got just absolutely hammered by Maple Leaf Mel in the Miss Preakness, and so that's what talked me off for the one and put me onto the two was, eh, I, I should say the six, and that it kind of came off the pace there. So, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I bet again, eight horse field, you can't use seven of them. <laughs> not not unless you single everywhere else and you're just drunk or something doing it. But all right, let's move on. All right, so none of, neither of us really wants to talk about, but the fifth and final leg of the late pick five at Belmont Park on Saturday, July 8th. Six furlong, interturf sprint, 12 New York bred maiden males, three and up, in for 40K claiming tags. Oh, by the way, two also eligibles. Oh, by the way, two MTOs. But we're supposed to have lots of really great weather, so I don't think we need to worry about that. Not only do we have the top pick here, you went too deep in your top two picks, I think, or, or the two picks you used are the top two for me. So we'll start off number two, Blue Plate Special at three to one is the morning line favorite here. And I'll let you start off why we like Blue Plate Special. I, yeah, I, I like is a, is a strong word for me in this one. It's the one that made the most sense given the maiden special weight to claiming dirt to turf. And for some reason, I read Ortiz was like, I like hanging around for the last race. I don't remember I read writing the last races and writing for Dutro. So it's like, well, all right. Uh, I, otherwise, I'm throwing a dart here. So I don't have a lot of real, real great <laughs> ideas here. Uh, but Dutro claiming off of Brad Cox, keeping it on the dirt and then running it back on the turf and back into a tag is is a good spot, I think. Going shorter should be good. Uh, should be able to get a ride, should be able to do it, and three to one. David Aragona is smarter than me, so go with that one. Listen, 
You're, yeah, you nailed my good points there. You got the class drop. You know, Dutro did claim this horse for 40k off of Brad Cox two back. Uh, which, by the way, that 40, the only time this horse in three starts has been in for a tag. That was the best effort. Got third. Um, showed some early speed in all three of the races here. But yeah, ran back. They claimed for 40k run back protected <laughs> the $75,000 purse against uh, protected New York Breds. Didn't run well. That's okay. Drop it back in, and now we're trying the turf. I think it's a good move here. Um, nobody's really ridden for Dutro that much because he was kind of missing for about 10 years there. But, hey, he's back. He's going to put his special touch on this horse on the turf. Uh, second off for both of us on the rail, just to the inside, number one, Screw Loose, 5-1, to one, running for a tag for the first time after two starts at Belmont Park and Gulfstream. Again, kind of a similar thing as the two in that the horse showed early speed last time out. That was seven furlongs over the outer turf versus New York Breds, and then, yeah, now we're dropping against New York Bred Claimers. Five to one, I was a little surprised that this, I thought this would be closer to three to one as well, Nick. Yeah, me too. That was one of the things that made me land on this one, because there's six first-time starters here, so you could throw a dart at some of those and say that makes sense, but when I saw five to one on one that's ran already, and then dropping out of Maiden, maiden Special to Maiden Claimer, I love that drop, especially if they're switching surfaces, which is why I liked the two, but Going dropping in for a tag, it's sort of a weird spot. I'm mean, not a weird spot. It's a why not run it one more time for the maiden special weights? But you know why have to ship it up to Saratoga if you don't have to and get forty grand and be happy? So, you know it fits as much as you know half of the field here and with a bunch of first time starters. Throw a dart is the way that I kind of ended this, which you know go out with a whimper, I suppose. You brought up something interesting right there, Nick, that uh, I had considered and then it, it escaped my brain. And then you brought up, I was like, that is excellent. Yeah. We're, so Saratoga is not, it's not like we're going from Aqueduct to Belmont. We're just kind of going across New York City. We're going all the way upstate to New York for Saratoga after this weekend. Some of these, especially the bigger barns, are like, eh, let's just get rid of some of these horses. We don't want to bring in. Somebody give us $40,000 so we don't have to pay to ship a horse. Like, that's a good deal on that end there. Uh, next up for me, I ended up going five deep. I'll run through these last ones kind of quick. Number five, Kern River at nine to two for me, making the second career start. First time on turf. First time for Horatio DePaz debuted against protected New York breads, uh, going seven furlongs in the slop from Michael McCarthy back in May. Showed good early speed, completely quit out. <laughs> it could have been the slop. It could have been the competition level. It could have been because of the first-time starter. Uh, but now a second-time starter. DePaz has won 17% at Belmont in the past year. Oh, by the way, Luis Saez is hopping aboard. Yeah, a Luis Saez on a horse with early speed, and we're going to try turf. I'll take a shot on you. So I'll take the number five, Kern River. And then Doc is using the – brings up the two horses that I got going. I got two horses, I think, uh, at prices could be interesting, both of them debuting. We'll start with the number 12, Boston Strong Mama at 8-1. to one. Uh, George Weaver trains. George Weaver owns. George Weaver bred this horse. What does that mean? It means George Weaver's paid every single damn bill since this horse was fold three years ago. George Weaver put this horse is going to put this horse in a position where the horse is going to do well, so that he can start making back some of the money he spent on this horse. Forty K maiden claiming spot, a very sensible position. You don't think this horse has probably got a good chance of getting claimed off of him? Been working very uh, consistently on the Saratoga turf training track. So <laughs> you got that going for him. I am cheating on Pratt with size, but don't tell him. He's <laughs> Pratt, Pratt's busy and uh, yeah. Pratt, listen, Pratt and I didn't get along last weekend. That's what's going on here. Uh, but we're also getting Javier Castellano aboard. And we've talked about it with some of the earlier races. We didn't use the Weaver horses, but Castellano riding for Weaver is a great angle. 20% winners in the last year. Weaver's winning 23% at Belmont in the last year. And by the way, it's a Philly. The rest of these are boys. She gets a five-pound weight break because she's three, and she gets a ten-pound weight break against the older horses. Like, 
because she's a Philly and a three-year-old. So, you know, lots of things that are kind of interesting here for the 12, a Boston strong mama. And then and that's one for me, Justice for Linda, number nine, Sinaloa at 10 to one, which I looked at Sinaloa and I was like, is that a new AEW wrestler? Or maybe part of the new bloodline for the WWE? Got a very uh, Polynesian name, uh, but uh, former, this horse, $105,000 purchase as a yearling. Do you see what this horse was most recently purchased for back in April? $25,000. <laughs> so Linda Rice got a steal on this horse. This horse could get claimed off of her in this spot. She's going to make 15 k just right there. Uh, but it's interesting. You know, they did think that someone thought this horse had a lot of potential. And then you see we're now July of the three-year-old year. This is now when we're going to be debuting. It tells me that a lot of things kind of went wrong. Lots of little kinks to work out. They couldn't keep the horse healthy. They gelded him. That's okay. Look who hops aboard this horse for the debut. It's her nephew-in-law, Jose Ortiz, who, oh, by the way, wins 32% when he rhymes for his aunt, Linda. That's pretty damn awesome. 10 to 1. I know Linda's race isn't known for first-time stars. Only 11% overall in the last year. But 25% winners at Belmont Park in the last year. Trying to run, uh, trying to get her first uh, title, her meet title. So, yeah, lots of things to like here about Sinaloa. And if listen, if horse racing doesn't work out for you, the bloodline's going to need some new members in WWE. So hop on over there. You can join Roman Reigns. The one thing that I would say about uh, the weight break, though, on that Boston Strong Mama was that they're all three-year-olds, except for Reap What You Sow. So there is a weight break, but she's running at 114. Most of them are 119. So it does make a difference, but not as big of a break as it seemed like it should be. So... Everything else, I completely agree with George Weaver owning and training and breeding and probably shoveling for it. Also, <laughs> so he doesn't have to pay anything extra for it. So I do like that one. I mean, there were six in here that I was going to go with if I didn't go too deep. And so you use two of them. I, you know, this one you can go all over the place with a bunch of first-time starters. It's, it is a tough way to go out. So it's uh, definitely one that, you know, go short or pick the six longest and pray. Car Ramrod asks, isn't Sinaloa a Mexican drug? There is a Sinaloa drug cartel, but Sinaloa is actually, it's not uh, Polynesian. It's actually a Mexican, it's a state in Mexico. So Sinaloa is a state. And then someone, it's like, you know, it's like calling yourself the Arizona Coyotes. Like a lot of people in Arizona going, we don't want to be associated with you. Why are you doing that to us as a state as a whole? But yeah, that's where we got there. But listen, Nick and I were talking before this, uh, before the show, we both tried figuring out ways to structure a ticket to go all here because these are just nuts. Yeah, there, there was it's just crazy. Yeah, there. I mean, and that's a, the nice thing about having to not have to play a pick five. You can pay pick threes into the last one and be okay. And rolling pick threes are, are also good. So, you know, if you have a strong opinion, obviously that's where you want to go here. But it's hard for me to come up with a strong opinion on a New York main claimer and you know, that's what we'll see for the next eight weeks at Saratoga is how we're going to end all these shows is, you know, this. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. It should be the Magic Nick Show. we got to get a name change here. Uh, thanks so much for watching if you are or listening. If you are listening, we'll give out our tickets one last time. If you're watching, take a look down below. I've got you covered uh, with what the uh, tickets are going to be here. So we'll give them out. I will start, Nick. I'm going to go 1-5 with 6-7-11 with 4 5 6 8 Single the eight, come on, red carpet ready. And then one, two, five, nine, twelve. Sixty dollars for me for fifty cents. Also sixty dollars for fifty cents for you. Just different horses. Yep. So I'm on the one five in the first leg, eight and eleven in the second, two five, six, seven, eight, ten in the third, 
uh, I turn my page is moving too quickly. So we'll do eight, 10, <laughs> five, six, two, seven, it out of order, two, five, six, seven, eight, ten, and then the third in the penultimate leg is magic, likes to say the two, six, and eight, and the finale of the one and the two for a sixty dollar ticket. I almost nailed that, but that was terrible. That that was really bad. <laughs> So you've, Nick has just learned why Mike and I always look at the, for, the 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 thing on the back end where we can click and make it pop up because we ne it always goes so fast and it never times out to when you need to be able to see it. So uh, it's okay. It happens to the best of us. Uh, over at RacingDudes.com, listen, it is a big weekend and not just at Belmont Park because we've also got... The uh, we've got the Iowa Festival of Racing, so you've got the Cornhusker handicap. Uh, Aaron did the preview for that, as well as the Iowa Derby and Iowa Oaks. Uh, the Indiana Derby, Indiana Oaks, we have previews for that. Indiana Oaks will be up, I think, if not today, tomorrow. Dr. Moran is working on that one, but you can check out all these previews. Lots of fun horses just kind of running across the country, which is funny because we got Saratoga in a week, but right now we're like, yeah, no, there's a lot of, lot of good racing happening. It doesn't have to just be at Belmont Park, you know, you can go all over the place. And again, Manila Stakes is on Friday, you can see Major Dude in Nazarok facing off that's going to be a hell of a fight too so uh and then, by the way don't forget baloney's in there so go watch baloney in the middle on friday as well <laughs> uh what are you looking for what race give me one race you're most looking forward to this weekend. i'm not looking forward to any specific race they all look a little little chalky to me when it was all said and done i want to see verifying i had so much so much future kentucky derby money on verifying <laughs> when we hit the top of that stretch i'm like oh my god i am going to be rich and then look now, he lost by 54 and a half lengths. So, you know, maybe he'll win this one at four to five, three to five. <laughs> Make it all back on that one, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see uh, the Cornhusker handicap this weekend because Ain't Life Grand is going to be in there. And if you miss Dudes Who Bet Sports, first of all, go check it out. Uh, they covered the whole Iowa Festival of Racing at Prairie Meadows. So lots of great races there. But uh, Aaron, if you don't know, Aaron and Jared very close with the Von Hemels, Kelby Von Hemel, um, his dad, Kelly Von Hemel, is the trainer for Ain't Life Grand. Uh, Iowa bred horse, won the Iowa Derby, and is trying to be the first horse, first Iowa bred and second horse ever to win the Iowa Derby and then the Cornhusker Handicap, uh, the two biggest races of the year at Prairie Meadows. And it's just great when it's someone that we know at the racing news. I've been lucky to meet the Von Hamels a few times. Uh, it, it's really cool to see this horse doing well. You know, they brought him to Saratoga for the Traverse, and you know, they, they, he's got a lot of a lot of talent. So it'd be nice to see him do well. So I'm looking forward to that race as well. Uh, make sure you check out Blinkers Off. They'll be live at some point, sometime. I don't know. You never know with those guys. But that is why you need to subscribe to YouTube.com/slash/RacingDudes and click that notification bell because then you'll be alerted anytime that we go live. Nick, I want to thank you for joining me. Mike Samich is enjoying his uh, Hawaiian vacation. It's his 10-year anniversary with his wife, so they uh, took a week to go to Hawaii. Today was the first time we've heard from him, and he's been gone since Sunday or Monday. So uh, I, I was happy. I, I, I should have been careful how I said it to Aaron. He's like, I haven't heard from Samich lately. I said, nope, and I love it. What I meant was he's completely unplugged. Because we've still had our text chains and everything going, and I haven't heard Jack Schiff from him, and that's great. That means he's, he's unplugged and enjoying Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii, but I understand that if you're there, it's probably really beautiful, and the weather's nice, and yeah, lots of things to do other than worry about handicapping horses. So uh, but, glad but to see actually, he's having a good time. He's actually firing tickets and just not telling you guys about it. That's what's actually happening. There's well, no he didn't stop gambling. Long. Yeah, He just stopped Fair. telling us about it. Yeah, yeah. no, no, but none of us believed he wouldn't actually gamble. He's just taking a week Fair. off from being a talking head. So, uh, th but again, thanks, Nick, for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. If you're playing along, post your tickets in the comments section or tag us on Twitter or reply to a tweet with it. We'd love to see what you're playing. Even if you do disagree with us, uh, we still want to see how everybody is playing the races and hear from you. 
Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellard. He is at Nick Seavers. We don't have a little thing at the bottom for you, but it's at Nick Seavers. It's pretty easy uh, to spell. It's, it's spelled, bless you, it's spelled how it sounds, so you've got that going for you. Uh, did, you did you drop something? What was that? I, I dropped my water in the, you know, in my okay. office. So I made it all this way. Everything was good. I had it all set up perfectly, and I end the show by dropping it. So, Listen, yeah. it's my fault. I've been sitting here trying to wrap up the show a little too long. <laughs> uh, but thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it. We'll be back. We're live every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for Dudes Who Bet Daily. Um, if you missed it, I had a plus 212, two-something parlay that uh, just missed yesterday. So that was really close. But it's a lot of fun. So we'd love to have you join us for all of our best bets each day from these sports and horse racing worlds. And then Mike and I, uh, I don't know if Mike will be back Monday. I think he's supposed to be back next week, Monday. So we'll probably be here Monday. Someone will be here next week, Monday, to talk about what happened over the weekend, possibly to give out some winners. But for my good friend Nick Sievers, for the Racing Dudes, for Mike Samich, I've been Magic. Thanks for joining us. Good luck this weekend. We'll see you next time. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.